first coming. We set our eyes and, and look forward to your, your second coming when you will once and for all reconcile all things to yourself and we will be healed and we will be in perfect union with Christ and in perfect union with each other and in perfect union with all of your creation. Lord, I pray that this Advent season would be a time where we really pause, where we stop and we are able to look to Jesus and we are able to remember the good news of Jesus. Would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit and the work of your Holy Spirit, work in our hearts to slow us down enough to savor Jesus over these next few weeks? Lord, would that even send us out of this year and into next year on mission with Christ as we look to that second coming and look to forever? Lord, I pray that this morning, as we gather and we sing and we, we do all the things and we preach the Word and we hear the Word, that your Holy Spirit would be at work in each one of us to make the good news of Jesus Christ known in our hearts. Say what you would have said and have each ear hear what it would hear, what it needs to hear. Only you can do that. So we are totally dependent on you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So what do we think of as impossible? Like what is it that God can't or what is it that God won't do? Maybe it's impossible for Him to provide for your financial needs. Maybe you might feel that way sometimes. Or that maybe God, it's impossible that He would actually intervene and help you get that job or help you get in this program or that thing. Maybe we could even think it's impossible that God would save a friend or an acquaintance. Impossible that God would save a child. Maybe we have been in a situation where we've thought it's just too hard of a thing for God to heal a loved one who is sick. Like if we're honest, there's a lot of times that we really don't believe in the miracles like we, like we see them in the Bible, right? Like there's, there's times where we really don't believe in miracles. We don't really believe that God can do impossible things. But isn't it interesting that we gear up for Christmas every year to celebrate a time and to celebrate when Jesus came, Jesus, who is God, came to earth and was born of a virgin, right? It's a miracle. It's a, it's a thing we get amped up and geared up to celebrate every year. We're going to take this whole month to celebrate this story full of miracles, yet we find it difficult to believe that God can heal the sick today or do something else miraculous, right? We find it hard to believe that the divine is still able to reach in to our reality and intervene. Now, our culture, it loves to tell us, our culture around us loves to tell us to dream impossible dreams, right? And that we can do anything that we set our minds to. And I think there's some beauty, beauty to that, like for sure, no doubt. But we also know the, the, the reality is, is that honestly, we have limits, right? Like for instance, none of us can raise somebody from the dead who's been dead for three days just by calling them out of the grave. No matter how much we say we can do that, we cannot do it like that, not in our own ability, right? We have all hit walls. We've all found things that are impossible for us. We've all failed in this way or that way or whatever, and we've all reached our limits. And Some things are impossible for us. Some things are impossible for us in our own ability. Once we kind of 
get that, once we realize it, once we've dealt with it and we've hit some walls and we maybe consciously or subconsciously, whatever, but we kind of know that it's true that there's some things that are impossible for us, for some reason, we start to hold God to our same limitations. We believe that there are things that are just too hard for God. Like we've reached our limits, so it must be true that God has limits. And our impossible becomes God's impossible. Earlier this week, I broke down on the side of the road on Broad Street. I just picked my daughter up from school and uh, just heading this way. And all of a sudden, you know, I hear something pop and smoke's coming up through the hood. And uh, so I broke, you know, pull over to the side real fast as I can. I couldn't find a parking spot. If you've been downtown lately, you know that's kind of difficult. So my car's about to be really dead because I'm going to, like, crack the block or something. Uh, Anyways, pull into a parking spot as soon as I can. Uh, I get out. I pop the hood. And while I'm going through this, I'm already calculating, like, how much money this is going to cost me. I see the broken radiator. I see hoses, you know, cracked and popped off everywhere. And, uh, and I'm starting to calculate how much this is going to cost. How much is this going to drain my savings account? And then the thought went through my head, like, there's no way I'm going to be able to replenish that savings account right now. Right? There's just no way that if I have to take that out that I'm going to be able to replenish it. But then, some good news, it occurred to me that, I mean, I had just gotten my car out of the paint and body shop because I got a little fender bender. It may have been my accident. My fault. Um, it was my fault. Uh, so my car had been in the paint and body shop for like three and a half weeks, and I got it out the day before Thanksgiving. I'd only driven it like twice before this happened. Uh, so it occurred to me that maybe they had messed with these parts, like because it was my front end that was messed up because that you know I hit somebody. So, uh, anyways, I thought maybe they messed with these parts when they were doing it, right? <laughs> and I sort of I did. I I prayed. I prayed real just a quick prayer, you know, like Hey God, let that be the case. That would be so good for me. Not so good for them, but good for me. Right? Let that be the case. Uh, anyways, I've totally lost my page here. That's good. I'm kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, pray that, please God, let that be the case. Anyways, so I called them. They kind of dismissed me. Um, like, no, we didn't touch anything. Darn, right? And then they called me like 20 minutes later. And sure enough, They ended up coming to my rescue. They brought their tow truck down. They got my car. They took it to the shop. That was Tuesday morning is when they came and got it. By Tuesday night, I had my car. And they did it all for free. They weren't sure if they did it, if it was their fault or not, but they came through and they fixed my car and I didn't have to pay anything. So that was really good news. But during those few hours while they had my car, I had to drive Claire's van. All right? Now, I get in Claire's van, which is just kind of getting old and rickety and it's sticky everywhere because we have three kids. It's kind of gross. But anyways, uh, just during those few short hours, I'm driving Claire's car to go get Grace Noel from school or whatever I was doing, and I noticed that the tire pressure was low, and it had been being low. It's like, I need to get a new tire or something. I need to fix that. And then uh, also the door, the sliding door, I couldn't, like, all of a sudden it got real stiff to open the sliding door. And then I, so I had this thought, I was like, while they're fixing my car for free that I thought was impossible and it was going to drain my account, I'm also thinking, like, man, like if something happens to this car right now, I just can't afford it. I just can't afford it. Like, this is going to drain. This is impossible to buy another car. It's impossible for me to deal with this, right? I just don't know how much more I can sink into this van. Just the negative thoughts keep going, right? See, I think a part of our problem is that we are such a forgetful people. 
you realize how fast I forgot that God had worked in my favor that day, right? Part of our problem is that we're such a forgetful people. We get stuck looking at our present circumstance and can't remember the past and how he's worked all things together for our good. Like I couldn't even remember while I was driving Claire's van for those few hours that my other actual car problem that was real, keeping me from driving it, had already been taken care of just hours before that. See, we get stuck in the same old problem that I think we just keep running into over and over and over again. It's that we just believe that the gospel, that the miracle of Jesus coming to save and rescue us is something that happened 2,000 years ago instead of something that is still real and is still happening. Like We just kind of get stuck in this mindset that that thing happened 2,000 years ago. We just need to believe that, and then it's all good. So Christmas is a nice idea, and we're okay with the idea that it could have happened like that way back then. Like Jesus could have come, and there could have been a virgin birth, and like an angel could have flown down with his little angel wings and stuff. That's cool. That happened 2,000 years ago, but it couldn't happen today. In practice, we actually seem to believe that while it was fine for it to happen back then, that after God was done with that, it was just done, right? Like, save like a few more miracles, the resurrection, a few things in Acts like we've seen already this year. Save that, God's just kind of done at that point. Practically, it seems like that's what we believe. As, as Christians, though, we say that we believe that God created everything and he is involved with his creation, right? But in practice, we kind of act like deists. We believe that his hands are off at this point, that he can't intervene, that he can't do miracles, and that he can't do the impossible. On today's passage in Luke, the story of the first advent of Jesus, the Christmas story, we're going to look at Mary and we're going to see that Mary could have done the same. She could have believed that the stories of old were just that, old forgotten stories. But she believed the promises of God that came with those stories, and she believed they were true even in her present circumstances. She chose to believe that God had done the impossible and that he was still in the business of doing the impossible. Now, given there was an angel involved, he appeared to Mary and spoke to her, so we might think, well, that kind of makes it easy to believe things, right? But listen, I want us to listen. We're going to read this passage. Listen to the nonsense that this angel, Gabriel, kind of spouts off here. It's, I mean, it's just crazy stuff. Luke 1, 26-38. Would you read it with me? In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible 
with God. Now, in my Bible, uh, as I've been reading through this, I just started writing impossible all over the passage. Just impossibilities everywhere. It's all crazy talk. Like, there's so many impossibilities in the story that it's, it's, it's kinda get, it kind of gets really absurd when you start unpacking it. And we won't unpack them all this morning. But simply, Mary and Joseph weren't married. They were betrothed, and she was a virgin. So they can't be pregnant. Like, do you guys understand how getting pregnant works? Right? She's a virgin. She can't be with child. That's an impossibility. So when Gabriel tells her that she'll have a baby that will be the son of God and who will be a king forever, she rightfully so asks kind of a foundational question. Um, How? How will this be? So Gabriel answers her and says, that the Holy Spirit will make her conceive a child even though she's a virgin, right? And that he will be the son of God. Get that. He's going he's gonna to be the son of God, like a Jewish carpenter's kid living in the Roman Empire is the son of God and will become king forever. Impossible. And not only that, Gabriel, in his answer to Mary, lets Mary in on what's happening presently with Elizabeth, her older barren relative. Her and Zachariah are going to have a child too. John, John the Baptist. So why does Gabriel tell Mary this? Why does he tell her all that? Because he wants her to understand this. That what is impossible for humans is not impossible for God. It's always been that way, and it's still that way. It's still a present reality. For nothing will be impossible with God, is what Gabriel says. And I think it's with Gabriel's answer that Mary remembers the promises of the stories of old, of the Old Testament, right? Like it's made more evident in Mary's song, which we'll look at uh, next week. Um, but I think she remembers stories of old, of how God did the impossible and of the promises that he made and how they've been fulfilled. Stories like that of Sarah and Abraham. Listen to this in, in Genesis 17, uh, 15 through 17. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarah with an I, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah with an I, but Sarah with an H shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? You see, like, Mary had to be remembering stories like that. Like what Gabriel has just announced to Mary is, is about the same. Her son will be a king forever. God will do the impossible to make sure that this happens. And just to show that he's still in the business of doing the impossible, her older barren relative, Elizabeth, is already six months pregnant. He's doing the impossible. You know, when Abraham heard God's promised son for him, he fell down and laughed. That's hard to imagine, just like falling down laughing in the face of God, but okay. But then Sarah had a similar reaction. You know what the Lord said when Sarah laughed at him? Let's look at that. It's Genesis 18. It's just a chapter over. Genesis 18, 10 through 14. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? 
The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's what God said in return. That has to ring in Mary's heart as Gabriel is delivering this message, saying that nothing is impossible with God. Like, is anything too hard for me? Certainly not. Look what he's done in the past. Still, Mary could have believed those stories were good for those old times. She could have refused to believe that the miracles that God was working uh, still were, would still be working in her presence. But God didn't just do the impossible in the old stories. And Mary gets this. There's many more stories, of course, not just Abraham and Sarah, but but God didn't always just do the impossible in the old, older stories. That's not the end of it. God delivered on his promises for those who had uh, come long before her, like Abraham and Sarah. He always delivered on those promises. But with each delivered promise came another promise. Every time he delivered on a promise came a, another promise. For Abraham and for Sarah, it wasn't just that they would have a son. God says that he will establish his covenant with this son and that nations and kings of people would come from him. God promised, God's promise, he delivered on his promise. I don't know how exactly to say that. God delivered on his promise. He, he came through with that. He gave them a son, and it came with a future promise, right? And then hundreds of years later came the Israelites. They were a people, descendants of that promised son, Isaac. And then came David, the great king of Israel. And then came the later promised exile. They came with a promise also that one day a shoot would sprout up from the root of Jesse and a king would rule and would be the king of the nations and would rule forever. And then look, in Mary's story, there's a promise of God being delivered that comes with a future promise. And that is that of his kingdom, there will be no end. And then Jesus was born. He grew. He lived. He died. He rose again. And he seated at the right hand of our Father in heaven, and all authority, the scripture said, has has been given to him. Jesus is king, and king forever because he's defeated death. He is king for eternity. He has delivered on that promise. That impossible promise is fulfilled in Christ. So listen, here's the point. We can expect God to do the impossible because he keeps doing it. We can expect God to do the impossible because he keeps on doing it. Even when we would like laugh in his face like Sarah and Abraham and figure our situation is just too hard for God, he has always delivered on his promises. And the impossible things he does always come with a promise to do more impossible things, even in our own stories. We can expect God to do the impossible because he keeps doing it. I said before earlier that I think one of the reasons we don't believe that uh, God can do the impossible is because we leave the impossible stuff, the miracles and all that, back in the stories of the Scriptures. Like it was only for that one occasion that he did something impossible. That stuff's old. That stuff's done. And we forget how he has already done the impossible in the present and in our own lives. We are a forgetful people. We forget so fast what God has done for us. And I really want us at Redemption Church to be a people that remembers and expects God to come through. 
I want us to be a people that expects God to do the impossible because we keep seeing him do it. Have you ever seen the animated Christmas movie? It's called The Star. Anybody? One person saw it. This should go well. Three people. Okay. Good. Uh, it's an animated movie. kind of follows these animals that you know, supposedly end up at the nativity scene. Uh, and it follows them as they follow the star to Bethlehem. And in the movie, um, the camels of the wise men are talking. Now, apparently, this story's not accurate. I don't think I don't think camels talk, but I don't. I mean, I don't know that, but I don't think it's an accurate that accurate. But it's fine. In the movie, the, the camels of the wise men are talking, and as they're following the star towards Bethlehem, they're arguing about why the wise men are carrying these expensive gifts, right? Because you know, the wise men sat on top of the camel like just carrying gifts for months like this. And the, and, the, and the camels are just arguing about why that is. And one of them's like, well, we're, let's probably go, we're going to a birthday party, right? And the other one's like, no, I don't think we're going to a birthday, maybe we're going to a baby shower, right? And they're arguing back and forth and back and forth uh, until finally one of the, one of the uh, camels who is uh, played by Oprah, who the voice is, is Oprah, she says, what if it's not a party at all? What if we're on our way to do something really important, like, like I don't know, meeting the Son of God? Right? And there's like this awkward silence. And then this other camel's played by Tracy Morgan. <laughs> and so finally he's just like, Deborah's crazier than a box of rocks. Right? <laughs> it's so funny. But I want us to be like the camel that looked crazy as a box of rocks. I want us to look like the Oprah camel. I want us to be expectant of the impossible, right? Like, I don't want you to take that to mean that we should believe like a prosperity gospel that says God will give you this or that or whatever. If you just believe, God will give you whatever you want. That's not what I'm getting at. Because the way God comes through usually looks totally other than how we might think or dream. Instead, I think we should learn from Mary. We can learn from Mary and follow her example in this story. She expects God to do the impossible but listen to how she handles those expectations. It's in Luke one thirty-eight. This is right after he says, I'm doing all this so that you know that with God nothing is impossible. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. Commentator Daryl Bach writes that Mary knows she is God's servant. So she will allow God to work through her as he wills. He can place her in whatever difficult circumstances he desires, for she knows that God is with her. You see, Mary's life didn't change from like lowly, lowly to royal uh, with this announcement, did it? In fact, because of her predicament, being with child and being betrothed and not married, there was probably some humiliation, there was probably some ridicule. God's promises are not always for our immediate comfort and our immediate ease, so much as they are for the ultimate good and for eternal life. His promise is that He is with us and that He will come through in the best possible way, even if we can't even conceive of it. So knowing that He who does the impossible and who is impossibly good is with us, we can face everything and anything He can put us in whatever difficult circumstances He desires because He's with us. See, we can spend a lifetime 
going through the motions of church life. We can do Christmas year in and year out and do the Advent season and light the candles. We can kind of like looking at the nativity scene and reading the Christmas story on Christmas Eve. We can do Easter too. We can be touched by his death and his resurrection and how that was for us. And we can just kind of do all those things and leave it way back then, 2,000 years ago. But if we go on our way being okay with the miracles of Jesus just staying in their place in history, like in the old stories, then I think we're going to miss it. We're missing something. Because he didn't just work miracles then, he still works them today. He didn't just do the impossible way back then and in the first half of the Bible. He did it with your heart. He's done impossible things with your heart. If you know Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, doesn't that mean that he worked a miracle in your dead heart? See, sure enough, the more we forget how he, was, how he is still doing the impossible today, and the more we project our limitations on God and make them God limitations, the more we will live believing that he can't or won't act in our life. The more we will live dependent on ourselves instead of dependent on God. And we're going to hit our limits. And we're going to face real impossibilities. And we won't be able to stand the difficult circumstances in our lives. Because we won't remember that Jesus came. And that God is still with us. We won't remember that he goes before us. That he goes behind us. That he's under us. That he's all around us. And that he hems us in. That God is with us. And that he does impossible things. And that he's done impossible things in our lives. There's this scene from Jesus' ministry. It's in Mark chapter 9, verses 21 through 24. A man brings his demon-possessed sick boy to Jesus. And this is what it says, Mark 9, 21 through 24. It says, And Jesus asked the father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And I think this is the call for us this morning and this call for us as we go into the Advent season. I think we, we might be willing to say, well, if you can. If you can, help me with this job. Or if you can provide, or if you can heal my child, or if you can save so-and-so. But Jesus says all things are possible for the one who believes. So this week, today, and through this season, may we cry like the father in the story, I believe, help my unbelief. May we expect God to do the impossible because he keeps on doing it. And believe the good news that God has done the impossible in the first coming of Christ and in this Christmas story. Yes. And that as always, His delivering on the impossible promise came with a future promise. And that is that He will come again and He will reconcile all things to Himself. And He will do it through you and through us. This Christmas, let's remember that God has done 
impossible things. He has come to us, the Son of God, by the way of the Virgin Mary. God has come to us. Let's take time to remember all the impossible things that God has done, not only in this story and not only all in Scripture, but let's take time to remember all the impossible things that God has done presently in your lifetime and in your life, not just way back then. And like the father who loves his boy and is completely incapable of helping him, cry out for God to help your unbelief and submit to serve the Lord like Mary did. Just knowing that he's with you and you can face whatever difficult, difficult circumstances he may have you in. And during this Advent season, let's remember that he's done the impossible through Christ in your own life and expect God to do the impossible because he keeps doing it. What I really want for this Christmas is for us to become missionaries. Like, let it propel you to tell others of all the impossible things he's done. This month, in word and deed, like the Christmas song says, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, that Jesus Christ is born. You know that song. Let's go and tell everybody that God has done the impossible, that Jesus Christ is born, and that Jesus changes everything and is still changing everything. Let's actually do that in word and deed as we go. Let's invest in the lives of the people in our life. People you don't think God can reach through you, right? People who you don't think you can get to. People who you think, that's just too hard for God. They're too hard of a nut to crack. Invest in the lives of the people in your life. And invite people to church. Invite people into your home this Christmas. Invite them to hear the good news. Like, let's not just be this Advent season about the presents and the lights and the trees and the parties. All those things are great. I love them. I'm not knocking them. I'm saying let's hijack them back and make them about he who does impossible things. Let it all be about the good news of Jesus Christ who has come and will come again. He does impossible things. So we can expect God to do the impossible because he keeps on doing it. We're going to move into a time of response as we do each week. There's a few things that we'll do. The band will come up. They'll continue to lead us in worship through song. Um, You can also give your tithes and offerings during this time as we obediently give what God has given us back to him. We do this as an act of worship. There's a basket in the back where you can give. um, And we know that not everybody carries cash and checkbooks now, so there's instructions on how to give other ways. So you can handle that. Also, uh, we take communion every week at Redemption Church. So we'll come down these two side aisles. There'll be people.